This program is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Bad Priest, Episode 13, Feeding Time. Thirty hours. That's how long it takes to drive from Albuquerque, New Mexico, to New York City, New York. The first day was relatively uneventful. Diego and I split the driving, came ever so much closer to diabetes from countless fast food stops, and released so much methane into the car that if you struck a match, the resulting fire would probably be greater than those I witnessed in hell. We didn't even stop to sleep, just drove straight through. It wasn't until day two that things got dicey. Mirzoth becomes increasingly antsy, and I feel him trying, no, not trying, testing my control. Good thing I'm sober. Father Bannon, I need to eat. There's desperation in the demon's whiny voice, which I find more than a little disconcerting. Still, I stick to my guns. You're not eating anybody. Anybody else, you mean? My thoughts immediately turn to the scene in the alley, the blood, the still twitching heart. I shudder. No. Mirzoth falls silent. But I know that this isn't going to last long. Up until recently, I was what one might have called a non-believer. But that doesn't mean I have no morality. People who say that without God in your life, without belief in a higher power, you're just an amoral psychopath going around raping and pillaging everything in sight. The thing is, from an evolutionary perspective, murdering your clansmen or fellow tribe mates at will doesn't bode well for the overall success of you and your kind. What's that I hear? Is that... Is that you rolling your eyes? Are you really surprised that I believe in evolution? Well, if it's any consolation, only a little bit. Just the tip, as they say. I 100% agree with the unbiased scholars who claim that we used to ride around on dinosaurs and saddles making sure not to travel too far in any one direction for fear of falling off this flat earth. I look over at Diego. He's been driving for hours and his eyes are red-brimmed and glassy. Every once in a while he twitches, his cheek involuntarily moving out of sync with his eyelids that never cease to flutter. The seven red bulls that have been crushed and tossed into the back seat are the likely cause of this strange behavior. Or perhaps he was possessed by a demon while I dozed off. Everything's up in the air at this point. But as we continue toward New York City, I begin to consider what Mirzoth said three decades ago. Or, more specifically, how he said it. Ground rules, yes. But first, Father Bannon, I need to feed. Because if I don't feed, things are going to get really messy. It strikes me that Mirzoth sounds scared. As time rolls on and I watch the monotonous landscape go from desert to high-rise, I begin to think about the implications of what not feeding Mirzoth might be. 
I think about the stripper and how she'd been lying there like a shell of a human being that still had a pulse but not much else. Nice titties. She had nice titties. Mirzoth had said that the demon Surugliang, or whatever the fuck he called it, had consumed her soul. Will that happen to me? Probably. There's no privacy when you're possessed, it seems. Images suddenly flood my mind, but these aren't memories. At least, they're not my memories. They're from hell, but they must be Mirzoth's doing because I've never seen them before. I'm staring at a beast so massive that I can only see its hand. I must be bowing before this being as I can't seem to raise my eyes any higher. Probably for the best. The hand is thick and knotted, the skin a blood red. Massive, pulsating veins lead from the wrist and form an intricate network that ends just before obsidian talons extending from each digit. As I watch, the fingers begin to thrum on the perhaps half-dozen human skulls that have been mashed together to make up the end of the armrest. Another shudder, and I'm back in my own head. Right, so that's where I go if I lose my soul. Toby Mac, you lying son of a bitch. I don't gain the whole world when I lose my soul. I have to bow down before Satan. Doesn't have the same melodic ring to it, I guess. What happens? I realize that I'm speaking out loud, and when a twitching Diego looks over at me, confusion plastered on his sleep-deprived features, I switch to internal monologue. Or duologue? Is it duologue now that I'm speaking to someone else inside my head? So many questions, so little time. What happens if you don't feed Mirzoth? For real. There's a short pause, after which I hear Mirzoth start to say something, and then stop. I get the impression this isn't because he's trying to figure out what to say so that I'll acquiesce to his bloodlust, but more so because he really isn't sure. One of two things. I take over your puny human body and do as I please. Possible. He took over and nearly choked that juice monkey Davy Scump to death. He also did something unmentionable with that man in the apartment. Or? Or two, I consume your soul. Mirzoth sounds confused. Okay, tough guy. What happens if you consume my soul? Not a question I'd ever think would come to mind. But then again, I never thought I'd be twirling anal beads like a fidget spinner, one of which contains a demon. If it's completely gone, we both die. A sobering idea, justifying the ensuing silence. As I consider my very limited options, I recall a movie I once saw in which a vampire keeps their thirst at bay by drinking blood from a blood bank. A courteous vampire, one who probably just had anemia and needed an iron fix, but a courteous one nonetheless. Where is the soul, Mirzoth? I know, I know. Now you're pissed at me for not knowing where the human soul is located. But I've already told you I'm not a believer. I wasn't a believer. I'm not a... I wasn't a... Shit, whatever. You get the point. But okay, smart guy. Where is it? Is it flowing through your blood like midichlorians? You know, the little creatures that give Jedis their force ability. 
Or is it in your brain? Is your soul contained within the electric meat that makes us so different from the common animal? No? Fine. Is it your prick? You know, that purple-headed yogurt slinger that gives you so much pleasure in life and yet is responsible for almost all your troubles? There's only one other place I can think of. The only place that might make sense. The human heart. It's located in the human heart. Well, there goes the idea of Mirza sucking on the wrong end of the dialysis machine. Once again, I find myself thinking about the poor man in the alley. Revulsion threatens to overcome me once more, but I stick with the vision. The heart does seem to be twitching, but I also know that a chicken can run around with its head cut off. Was it alive? Mirzoth, what happens to the soul after the body dies? <laughs> Seriously? You, a priest, are asking me this? Alright, that one I should know. Allow me to rephrase. Mirzoth, how long after death does the soul flee the body? The demon doesn't laugh this time. I'm not sure. Seriously? You, as a soul eater, aren't sure? Touche. Give me your best guess, Mirzoth. A few seconds pass. An hour, maybe two. I bite the inside of my lip. For some reason, I was thinking instantaneous. You know, once your heart stops beating, the Lord cometh down and sucketh your soul like a giant Dyson vacuum cleaner. But, to be honest, if Mirza thinks differently... Diego, how far are we from New York City? The man twitches violently, so much so that I'm concerned he might be having a seizure. Three hours, maybe four, maybe three hours. Three or four, check the app. Okay. I do just that. To his credit, Diego is fairly close. We're about two hours out of the Big Apple, rolling through Philadelphia. I have a theory now, one I need to test. Using the app, I had a stop just a little north of our current trajectory. You look like you could use a rest. Let's do a little pit stop. To get more Red Bulls? No, to... I click go on the app, and a robotic voice answers for me. You will be stopping at Nicetown Tioga County Morgue in Philadelphia in approximately 23 minutes. Hello, kind sir. Jesus! The man, who was in the process of locking the large metal door of the Nicetown Tioga Morgue, jumps out of his shoes. Then he sees who I am and immediately apologizes. She goddamn father, you startled me. My bad. That's all right, my son. I see that you're a man of faith. I don't see shit. It's pitch black out, but my assumption is a safe one. After all, nice town, Tioga County is the most dangerous district in all of Philadelphia. And if there's one thing that drives people to religion more than anything else, it's violence. Of course, of course. The man who has big ears and tiny eyes looks around the dark, empty parking lot. It be kinda late. The Lord never sleepeth. You right, you right. What can I do for you? I fold my hands in front of me. A family called me, desperate. They would like me to deliver post-mortem rites. There is no such thing as post-mortem rites. There are last rites, more recently known as the Sacraments of Anointing of the Sick. 
but these need to be given while the person is still alive. But I'm guessing that a man who shouts Jesus when he's frightened isn't much of a religious scholar. Yeah, of course. I assume you mean Benoit? He was brought in about an hour ago. It's a hopeful guess, given the level of violence in the county. The man nods, and I can feel Murzot's excitement building inside of me. Please, may I see him now? It's important that I perform the ritual as quickly as possible. The man jangles the keys in his hand. Oh, I don't know. It's really late. I am aware that this is an inconvenience. Why don't you just tell me where the body is, and I'll go deliver the service myself. I'll even lock up for you after I'm done. I don't know if it's my undying charm that convinces the man to reach out with the keys, or the fact that this entire interaction must have been very confusing for him. Whatever the reason, he starts to hand over the keys only to stop at the very last second. I don't think my boss gonna be too happy with that. I feel Murzoth pushing, and I'm put to a decision. I know that there's a risk involved. I know that there's a risk that if I let Murzoth take over now, he won't stop until he's eviscerated this man and sucking plasma directly from his heart. But I don't have much of a choice. Give me the keys. The man's eyes go wide, his jaw falls open, and my hand snakes out with incredible speed, comparable to when I grabbed Davy Scump by the throat. But instead of accosting the individual, I just take the keys from his fingers. The man stands there, completely frozen with fear, and then Murzoth starts to command my other hand. You know those times when you really have to fart, but you know that a shit isn't far behind? That's what this feels like. Letting Murzoth use my voice and grab the keys is the fart, and if I don't squeeze as hard as I can, I'm gonna shit my pants. In case you aren't following, shitting my pants is analogous to Murzoth eating this poor quasi-religious orderly while he's still alive. I suck Murzoth back in like a turtle head poking out of my anus. And then, as I take over, the orderly finally comes to his senses. Then he runs. I watch him go. When he disappears into the darkness, I whistle and Diego materializes. Take these keys and lock the door behind me. Don't open it for anyone but me. Not Murzoth, not the Pope, just me. Diego, who is still shaking like a meth addict, grabs the keys after several tries and nods. I can feel Murzoth throbbing inside me, desperate to come forward again. Not yet, not yet. I enter the morgue, close the door behind me, and wait until Diego has locked it. All right, find Benoit. Find Benoit, and let's get this over with. Yippee, it's feeding time, and I'm going to eat. This has been Bad Priest, Episode 13, a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Written, produced, mixed, and narrated by Patrick Logan. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. You can also visit us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 
Bad Priest Podcast. Hey.